0: From the professional writing program at the University of Toronto Mississauga, it's The Reverse Sting, a story told in four parts by Maeve Doyle. Part 3, The Operation.
1: Kevin's a great storyteller, and after 26 years with the RCMP, he has some great stories to tell. It's a gloomy, frigid Sunday in January and Kevin and I have found a couple of armchairs on the third floor of our gym. Ice-cold winds rattle the glass in the window behind me and send glacial air currents across my back. I perch on the edge of my chair and rest my chin in my hands, my elbows on my knees. Kevin takes a swig of water from his ever-present bottle and settles back. He tells me about the reverse sting operation he staged that resulted in an amendment to the Criminal Code of Canada. In May 1991, when Kevin was in charge of the RCMP's Mississauga Drug Section, a long-time police informant contacted the police. He volunteered to introduce undercover agents to major hashish traffickers shopping for a one-ton supply of drugs. Earlier in the year, a drug-sniffing dog at Toronto Pearson International Airport had detected a large shipment of hash. The drug section seized 96 two-cubic-foot cardboard boxes. Each box held an aluminum container filled with drugs sealed in waterproof plastic. When the informant contacted the drug section, Kevin had this supply that was scheduled to be destroyed in his vault. This was the supply that Kevin had every intention to show to the traffickers, but no intention to sell. So after seven consultations with the Department of Justice, the reverse sting operation began. According to R.V. charoz the police informant established contact in May with Salvatore charoz a middleman for buyers. In October, at a meeting in London, the informant tried to introduce charoz and some of the buyers to an undercover agent. The buyers became suspicious of the agent's bona fides, his legitimacy, and the negotiations ceased. So, operation over, right? Nope. The buyers reinitiated negotiations on November 6 at a meeting in Toronto. They really wanted this supply. Nine days later, the informant successfully introduced another undercover agent, JP, to Shiroz. And John Campbell joins the negotiations. JP made it clear that even though there were two buyers, he wanted to sell all 1,000 kilograms as one lot. At the meeting, they agreed that a money-counting location would be set up and that one of the buyers would go with one of the undercover agents to check the quantity and quality of the drugs at a warehouse. Then the buyer would contact the counters to indicate if the deal was on or off. But before any of that happened, the buyers wanted a sample. So Kevin calls a colleague into play from the undercover program in Ottawa, crafts a script, and on another bitterly cold day 25 years ago, the investigators set up a meeting between the undercover agents and the traffickers at Pat and Mario's restaurant near Pearson Airport. Kevin arranges the transfer of a large amount of hash into the trunk of the Ottawa agent's vehicle. Kevin has him call one of his agents inside the restaurant. The Ottawa agent tells the inside agent that a delivery that was supposed to be made has been delayed because the bad guys were late.
0: Bad guys run late, okay.
1: The guy on the inside follows the script and tells the Ottawa agent to come to Pat and Mario's. He tells him to drive to the back of the parking lot and to back his vehicle up against the fence, but to leave enough space to open the trunk. The Ottawa agent arrives at the restaurant, parks, and calls the inside guy. The inside agent invites one of the buyers to come see the product. He makes a point of warning the buyer that another customer has paid for this product. Remember the caveat that at no time must the police lose possession of the drugs? Well, Kevin has set the stage for two things. One, that the undercover agents only deal with people from whom they've first received payment. And two, that the buyer can't have any because this already belongs to someone else.
0: And it was cold.
1: The inside agent takes the buyer out into the minus 30 degree weather and shows him the car trunk filled with bricks of dope. The buyer pulls out a switchblade knife, pops it open, and stabs it into one of the bricks. Now, if you're thinking, I thought the Department of Justice said no samples, well, so was I. In fact, I'm pretty sure I yelled at Kevin, wait a minute, the caveat, you couldn't lose possession of the drugs. Kevin smiles, takes a sip of water, and continues his story. The buyer stabs a knife into one of the bricks of dope and tries to gouge out a chunk, but it's so cold, the hash has frozen. The frustrated buyer pulls his knife out of the brick, reaches into his own pocket, and pulls out a chunk of hash. The buyer tells the undercover agent that he's satisfied and that he's going to show the senior executives his own chunk of hash but tell them that it's a sample. A week later, the buyers contact Kevin's team and tell them that they have the money, $270,000. On January 15, 1992, The undercover investigators meet the buyers at a hotel in Mississauga to count the money. Kevin takes one ton of drugs out of the vault. He and his team load it into a large truck. They take it to a self-storage place in Meadowvale and surround the facility with police officers. After the money count, the buyers make the call to say that the deal is on. One of the senior executives shows up at the self-storage facility in a brand-new, right-off-the-lot Jeep Cherokee he has just picked up from a car dealership. Another guy turns up in a $150,000 car, a Lamborghini, Kevin thinks. And the investigators know these guys are armed because they had intercepted calls through their wiretaps about picking up a gun. The investigators arrest Campbell and Chiroz and a few other players. They seize their vehicles, their weapon, and the two hundred and seventy thousand dollars in cash.
0: And then we started the dance in court. Next on the Reverse Sting, in part four, the dance. Follow the Campbell and Sheroes case as it moves through convictions to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada. The Reverse Sting Written, produced, and narrated by Maeve Doyle Kevin, played by Sean Hunt A Crime Scene, music by Jeff Harvey This Girl, ambient sound by Catastrophe Thanks to Basir Big, John Ballin, Peter Catamaras, Gary Chaders, Michael Corin, Mark Dreyer, Alexio Lumoncas, Robert Martins, Rajo Sati, Shelley Wall, Nicholas Woolrich, Adam Zunder. And I'm Connor Catamaras.